Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager. I'm with Matthew today. Do you like being called Matthew or Matt? Actually, Matthew, yeah. Matthew. All right. That's that's the more formal one. Is that after the guy in the Bible, or did your parents just like Matthew? Uh, my mom actually wanted to name me Andrew and call me Drew, but my grandma didn't like the name. So didn't like the name Drew. But you are some. You're somewhat of an artist, right? Um, comic. Anyway, I mean cartoons. Used cartoons. to do cartoons. Not so much anymore these so days. So Drew but. would have been good because you would have been Drewing things. Uh, yeah, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> if I can murder. I'm, I'm great at murdering the English language. I have all kinds of questions about who is it in the world that authorizes the English language to be like it is. That's your uh, Swedish heritage trying to make a complicated language. It, it is. It, I am, you know, it's the philosophy you talked about in the first. I, if I can't figure out why it was done that way, What's the reasoning behind it? I rebel. And it's not that I, it's not like I rebel against a lot of things, but the English language, I, I don't know how many times I've told, my wife is, does a lot of the proofreading, and I'll, and I'll ask her, I'll say, you know, who is it that authorizes that? Right. I mean, I want to change it. Who do I write to to say there's too many commas? Right. Or you shouldn't do that here. I, so who is it? Do you know who is it in the world that decides what's acceptable in the English language now. Well, I mean, there's a lot of debate, actually, between whether language should be descriptive or prescriptive, right? Okay. So, I mean, as far as syntax and dictionaries and stuff like that are concerned, like, is there a set list of how we can talk and what words we can use and how we can write them and how they're formulated? Or do we use language strictly to convey information in whatever way is useful? Yeah. So I would say that you do that quite well. Yeah, well, you know what? I would say that, yes, you and I need to... um, get together and talk more because my goal is if you understand what I said, then I said it right. I think that's true. And that would be language. Yeah. And whether I spelled it right or not, or whether it makes sense according to grammatical rules, not 100% sure I care. Right. Okay, so that just put me, nobody should ever go online and figure out that I'm a Wheaton College graduate who just said that because that's a very prestigious college and I am one who went through there. And probably talking about the English language, in, like I just did, will get me in trouble previous, as an alumni. The previous statements on this podcast do not reflect the academic values expressed at Wheaton College. That's right. They don't. And uh, so <laughs> make sure we understand that. But we were talking about um, your decision-making process when you were younger. Definitely. And trying to figure out, okay, you've, you came to Christ. You, you took a stand. You had an anchor point in life. You, you ended up getting a master's degree, actually. And what's your actual... Religious studies, yeah. And religious studies. And um, again, from my viewpoint, I've always looked at religious studies as kind of, okay, fine. Right. Because there's so much involved in that. Yeah. But for you, it was uh, a positive experience. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like my bachelor's degree that we talked about on our last podcast. You know, I just really decided to go into it, making the program my own. I think that um, in a lot of scenarios in life, you know, one, be anchored, and then two, um, put in the effort and it does you know, you're going to get out of a program what you put into it. Right. Um, you know, you can, you can be in the best program at whatever college in the world, but if you're not going to put in the time to actually think about what you're there for or the things around you for that matter, well, you're, you're not going to succeed to the extent that you probably yeah. could. Well, that's interesting. Cause you just said two things that are very important. Okay. And, you know, first of all, you got to be anchored. Anchored. 
secondly, work at it. Mm-hmm. Those are two very simple things. And uh, one of the, the, the greatest joys of my life is to take anything that seems difficult and make it simple. And so there you go. There's two simple principles. You, you need an anchor point. If you don't have one, you need to go get one. And, and that is from the Bible. It has to be beyond opinion. It has to be beyond just what you believe. It has to be beyond what your pastor says. Definitely. It needs to be in the scripture so that you can look at it and say, here is the anchor point. This won't change. All the rest of us are learning and we're changing. Mm-hmm. But the Bible doesn't and God doesn't. And that's very clear. So there's your anchor point. If you don't know it, then you need to spend more time in God's word. So that's Definitely. a simple thing. And then you need to make an effort. Uh, those who want to have a relationship of any sort, any mm-hmm. sort. I don't care whether it be human or with God. You can't do it without an effort. Right. And that's a great point, too. You know, it's, it's one and two. It's not two and one. If you're making an effort before you're anchored, who knows where you'll end up? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I cannot tell you how many people I went to school with that came in saying, you know, I am a believer. I believe in God. I believe in the Bible. I believe that Jesus died for me. But so many of them were just not anchored to the point where, like, I can barely name people from my programs that came out of their believers that went in saying they were. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that brings up a good point. There's a lot of people, and I'll throw a statement at you and see what you think. There's a lot of people that think, well, if I believe it, it's true. Yes. So they're actually, they're, their anchor point is in their belief system. Right. But there's nothing for the belief system to be anchored in. Am I accurate on that? Yeah, I mean, that's completely inaccurate. I mean, that, that would be revolving a, like a relativistic kind of a viewpoint, saying that what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me. So it's, it's true because I believe it. Well, that has absolutely no bearing on the state of affairs of the cosmos that our God has created. Right. That's just you playing in your mind a little bit. Yeah, you know that probably wouldn't go over well in today's culture, what you just said. It doesn't. Yeah. Trust me, I know. Yeah, well, what's interesting to me, though, is when somebody who's younger, yourself maybe, will come to me and say, I really believe this, there's a lot of times I have a standard answer. Right. It's usually, that's nice. And I walk away. And, and if they're thinking it all, they come after me and go, what do you mean? That's nice. Right. Well, because you believe it doesn't mean anything to me. Whether it's true or not means something to me. Right. Not whether you believe it or not, because you could believe anything. And the criterion is who knows what in your brain, why you believe it. Which is hilarious because everyone is so, you know, desperate for affirmation. But we get affirmation through the promises and hope that we have in our Savior. Right. You know, we don't. If they come here or anywhere, or you see people on the street or at Walmart and they want affirmation from you, Something is wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is just uh, in that whole philosophy realm and things, uh, one of the real pushbacks I see or one of the things that, that kind of resonates is people will say somebody's good or whatever else. And I'm always saying, yeah, I don't know what you mean. And they, again, they'll stop and look at me. But in my philosophy side is I really don't know what you mean. Right. So um, it, it gets me into more discussions and trouble because I'm saying, well, they may not be good. Yeah. And they go, oh, yes, they are. How can you say they're not good? I said, well, I'm, I'm not saying that either. What I'm saying is that, that good is such a, a, a worthless term because you have to have something to compare it to. And unless I know what you're comparing it to, I have no idea what you just said. Right. And they look at me like I'm on outer space, but they're so used to, people are so used to walking away 
thinking, well, I told him this person was good and God loves good people. And I'm thinking, I don't know what you just said. I, I know the word good. I know how to spell it, actually. Even in English, I know how to spell it. I still don't know what it means. Right. And uh, they will, uh, unless you've thought about it a little bit, the, the reason that is so adverse to me is because there's so many people today hoping that they're good enough. Right. And I think you, you don't know what you're talking about when you say good. Are you comparing yourself to Mother Teresa? And all of them will say no. Well, then, are you comparing yourself to Genghis Khan? I mean, who in the world are you comparing yourself to here? Because it matters. Right. And the whole word depends on that. I don't know if you ran into that a lot while you were in your studies, but I, I find that's a real trigger point right now in, in the world. I mean, any value judgments in general in my master's degree were a kind of a no-no. Yeah. You couldn't say things were good or bad or, or a belief was um, <laughs> that it, even correlated to what they do in the world, uh, what, a, what a subject does in the world. So as far as individuals on that same, same framework and like, you know, especially when we're continually being fed this through the media and through uh, modern secular academics too, like it only continues to perpetuate the idea that there is some sort of a divorce between, you know, what we believe and what actually is. Right. You know. Yeah, well, it, what's interesting to me is that the anger that uh, arises when you challenge a, a thought process when you're not really angry at the people at all. You know, I mean, honestly, I really want to know what they meant by good. Right. What I understand is in order for good to be actually used, you need to have a definition of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And you compare that to right and wrong, and now you can talk about good and bad. And you can have that discussion with a secularist that has some sort of an anchor point and actually go from there. Right. But only if you two actually have something that you're anchoring in. Right. And then you can have that discussion. If you're going to talk with, with someone, you being anchored and them not, well, then you, you, have no, you have no two things to actually compare. Right. So what, what happens eventually is somebody looks at you and says, you think all these people are bad then? Right. And, and you have to look at them and go, you know, I still don't know what you just said. So I can't answer your question because the criterion that you're asking me doesn't make any sense. Define your terms. So I, what I need to do is go back and, and help you understand that if there is a God, if there is, and, it, and it, that means that there's a right and a wrong. And, and if there's a right and a wrong, we're really talking about are all these people right, not are all these people good. Right. And so if we can get to that phase in the conversation, then I'm with you. However, the good part I can't follow because I just don't know what you're talking about. And um, some have called me rather stubborn because they say, oh, you know what I mean. Like, is your grandma good? And I said, I still don't know what you mean. You know what I mean? Right. Compared to who? It's not, it's not about the person. It's, it's about the absolute there, which, yeah. we, which we get from God. Now, your mind, uh, probably because you know the scriptures, goes to where you, you know someone called Jesus good and he didn't take it. He wouldn't accept that. He said, don't call me good. And I think he was thinking in these terms. It's like the way you just used it. Um, and, of course, the Bible tells us there's no comparison to God. So right. if there is no comparison to God and good is a word that needs a comparison, then you can't use that term with God. Right. All right, we just dismantled, like, the whole world there. I and, think so. and And people are sitting there going, so, you, Dave, you're saying God is not good. 
And um, actually, I'll, I'll say that. I'll say God is not good. He's right, which makes him good. Right. So that, that's how I would finish the statement, because otherwise you'll pull that out of context. Now, people do have the freedom to take that little piece off of our podcast and say, Dave said God isn't good. But they also do that with Scripture in general. So. They do. But really, you have to have, again, it goes back to that anchor point we talked about. Definitely. So if you understand there's an absolute, what you're looking for is the absolute. And the reason that's so critical is because if you can't find it, what happens is you will believe lies. And if you believe lies, you can't enjoy life the way it was created to be. Right. So then there's more depression, there's more anger, there's more sorrow, there's more everything. Now, you, you've had a, you're kind of an interesting character when it comes to some health issues. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I, I am too. I mean, I have my own health issues, but the people here know mine. So your health issues, like, tell me a few of them, because what I want to do is contextualize something here. I want to talk about um, your attitude toward God having these health issues. Sure. Okay, uh, if I could do that. And why you think like you think. Okay. Trying to pick which one, I guess. Uh, uh, so I have... Uh, I'll ask you. Your, your food. Your, your, oh, man. Uh, I tell didn't me about think about food. that one. Oh, man. I have a uh, rather severe grass allergy, um, and it refers to also all grass extracts. And I thought grass was illegal anyway. It is um, in this state, <laughs> oh. uh, but not that kind of grass. Not that kind of grass, Got although uh, still not partaking. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm allergic to grass, and that actually extends to a lot of different things. That extends to grains, so I can't have corn, rice, uh, wheat, barley, uh, oats. Um, yeah, yeah, they all grow on grass. And they all, I mean, they yeah. all have grass stems. They're all part of the same, you know, botanical family. It's good you're not a horse. That's uh, yeah, that would be difficult. Yeah. Um, the one thing that we're trying to cut out right now, too, because um, that's been giving me trouble is uh, sugar, because cane sugar is a grass. And then you got, you know, what other sugars are there? Well, that rules out cane sugar, that rules out, you know, turbinado, that rules out molasses, that rules out white granulated sugar. Um, and so there are a lot of things that I can't eat. And that was a process of acceptance. I remember one day literally kind of like in tears because I, wanted to go to Culver's and I looked at my wife and I was like, I can't have cheese curds and I can't have, I can't have fried fish. And I was like, I have got to figure something out. <laughs> so no, you can eat fish. You just can't eat the breading. Right. Just okay. the breading. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I certainly eat my share of fish. Still, yeah, but... you do. So that's good that God invented fish. Yes, I agree. Um, so that's been a process, but my wife has been extremely supportive of that. She spent she spent weeks looking so what do you eat online. at home you sit down for a meal what is it oh well last night my wife made some uh homemade alfredo um she made her own sauce at home and uh, we had some red lentil pasta with it it was delicious chicken and squash and zucchini in there oh man okay so the, you can have uh, they have other um substitutes yeah substitutes like the red lentil yeah stuff they're becoming more common um which is nice. Are there a lot of people with these allergies like yours? I have come across some people in internet forums that say that they have issues to this degree, but it's definitely not common. When you talk about it, people just assume that you mean that, you're that you have a gluten intolerance or right. something like that. 
but it's it's a little different than an intolerance. Yeah, it is. I mean, I've watched you eat, and I think, oh, I'm sorry for you. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like one of those things, especially now that you have to add sugar to it. But Right, yeah, right. Yeah. I can't even eat the bad stuff and then just add the sweetener to make it taste a little bit better. So we're recording this on National Donut Day, so that's not oh. good for you. No, no, it's not. That's actually really unfortunate. Yeah, well, if it were, maybe I'd offer you a donut because I did go get some donuts on National Donut Day, but I'm not going to offer them to you. I'm not even going to show them to you. I, I mean, I appreciate you. So you're, you. you're welcome. I'll eat them, though. I'm, I, I hope you enjoy them. I will. And I know, you know, that's a good attitude right there. I hope you can enjoy them. So I want to hear some more about what other, there's, an, there's other little things that have come up. Certainly. And then I want to I wanna hear you to talk to us about how has God worked on your attitude towards all this? Sure. Because I don't see you walking around um, in despair or angry. I don't see you, you know, I just don't see that. So I want to know, what do you know that causes you to handle this, if I could use the term disability? Sure. Because it is a disability to a certain, everyone has a disability, by the way. But, yeah, but I mean, it's, yours is this? Yeah. Um, so what, else, what other things are you? So, I mean, there are a few different things. I have a history of epilepsy. Okay. Um, that is another thing you could consider a disability. I haven't had seizures now in uh, about a decade, which is fortunate. But I used to have a series of uh, partial seizures, um, anywhere between 10 and 15 of them a day. Wow. Um, and so, I mean, they weren't, they weren't, you know, complex convulsive grand mal seizures all the time, but yeah, 10 to 15 a day, that's still pretty disruptive. It is. Um, and so that's another thing that of course, during that, uh, it, it was, uh, kind of strange cause I, temporal lobe epilepsy is a fairly new diagnosis in the medical field within like 30, 35 years or so, as far as like really digging into it. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people that experience these. And, uh, there are people that say that they have visions of Jesus sitting at their, you know, at their bed and talking to them or visions of Mary or, uh, some people with alien abductions and stuff like that. Um, but in a strange way, like it provided some solace, not only that, like, um, that there were other people out there that this is one of the most, most common forms of adult epilepsy. And um, that uh, I can certainly uphold some sort of religious view um, and still have this. Um, there were times that growing up when I was real young in junior high, like there were times when I thought that maybe, I don't know, is this God trying to say something? I don't think that it was. I think it was, you know, electrical right. currents in my brain. Everyone goes through that. That's pretty normal. Well, certainly. In one way or another. Did everyone... you feel like God was punishing you for something? Well, uh, I don't know. It depends on what you mean. I mean, any disease in theory is a result of the fall. Right. Right? So. Well, I just want to know as a kid, what you felt, you feel like, you know, okay, I got gypped and uh, God. It wasn't necessarily anything like that. Um, I, I started having seizures probably when I was like, in third grade, fourth okay. grade. Um, and so it was just something that, oddly enough, you really grow accustomed to, becomes a part of your daily, to the point where when I had my medication, it, I, I almost missed it at times because it would provoke certain like feelings. Right. Um, so that was interesting. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, and certainly good to just continue to remain grounded. At that time, it was a little bit difficult because I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I was, you know, saved at that right. point yet when it was really, right. really. Um, but I was at least vaguely thinking, you know, I do believe in God to whatever right. that meant. It just wasn't what I would consider, you know, a belief which warranted saying that I was a Christian. Right. Um, 
the let's see a year and a half ago two years ago i fell here at silver birch ranch off my bicycle you did oh man um it's kind of embarrassing yeah i said bicycle um i was um transitioning from the roadway to the to the gravel parking lot had some stuff in my hands and uh you had too many things in your hands uh yes yes, yes that is true yes. uh too too lesson many things. learned for all those young people listening don't do that. Yes, use the handlebars correctly. Um, because while I had my hands essentially resting on my handlebars, when the wheel turned, I could not correct quick enough, fell and had a complete shoulder separ- like shoulder separation. Um, I destroyed all four ligaments in my that attached the collarbone essentially to the um, shoulder blade. It was blade. a bad injury. It was for, bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was rough. It was, it, it was very painful. Um, had a surgery for it where they went in and uh, drilled through the collarbone and drilled through the front part of the shoulder blade, put some internal sutures in there connected by some titanium buttons, and then wrapped a cadaver hamstring around the whole thing. Uh, so that was a pain. And then only to have staph infection set in uh, slowly over the period of time. And then a few months later, I go in and um, it's just not getting better. And so we go in and get the MRI. And sure enough, my shoulder is filled with uh, staff and they had to go in and debride the bone and take out a bunch of muscle tissue and connective tissue and they were just at that point they were just amazed that I wasn't septic um, but they had to take out all the stuff that they have and so now I have some muscles still that still don't work and uh, still just very I have decent mobility because the rotator cuff wasn't affected but uh, very poor strength um, and still a disconnected shoulder theoretically permanently Uh, so that's a pain so through all of this um you still love god absolutely yeah so what do you think god does with these you know like and and again if those who've looked in the program you know i'm narcoleptic and and a bunch of other little things that really don't matter but the bottom line is i've actually had i'll say this statement to you and i see your response to it i've had people come to me and say you know what um i really you know we're gonna get together and pray that you you get well and and uh that we really believe that you should not be sick. And, and my response to him has been, you know what? You can do that. I, I appreciate your love. I right. appreciate your prayers. But honestly, um, if God wants me to have narcolepsy, I'm fine. Right. And it actually has been a great thing for me to be one who understands who God is and to love him uh, with my anchor point that is holding me there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not feel like he's abandoned me. I feel like he's developing me instead. Right. And so I, I, it's really kind of weird because I'm not saying don't pray for me. I'm saying, you know what, if you really think you have to do something so that I'm okay, I'm already okay. Right. Now, if I didn't have the narcolepsy, I'd be fine too. Mm-hmm. But I'm really okay the way I am right now. Yeah. And only God has brought me to that point. And if I didn't have the narcolepsy, if I didn't have the other things that I've had, I wouldn't know that. Right. I would think that I have to be okay to be okay, right. if that makes sense. Um, so I, I react to that statement that I just made. I mean, refined through trials, you know, um, I certainly think that's true, whether it's, you know, programs or whether that's, you know, uh, certain parts of upbringing or whether that's, um, medical things. Um, when my wife and I were in Springfield, Missouri, there was a tough bout before we came up here. Um, 
let's see, I got, there was one period where I was working two part-time jobs and due to budget cuts at both, basically within a few weeks, it got laid off and there was, that was tough. Um, in that same like six month span, we also got like, we also got robbed really, really bad, lost a lot of stuff. Um, basically anything we had in our home that had value, mm. earthly value, yeah. um, was taken and it was just completely ransacked. It, it just, it disturbs your way of life, makes you feel unsafe. Oh, absolutely. Um, I was a juror on a very, very gruesome murder trial, stabbing, um, all of this, like all of, all of the things we've talked about in this podcast and the last, like it doesn't change the fact that at the end of it, like, yeah, those things are very difficult to go through, but I just feel like God has been, like you said, you know, just molding me during that period, uh, refining, refining me and just turning me and my character in something that, um, you know, is golden. Golden. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting because it, there could be young people listening right now and they're, they're thinking, you know, my life is rough right now. Right. There, there's all kinds of, once again, we go back to the simple thing that we started this segment with. Yeah. You need an anchor point. You do. If you're not in God's family, you need to go listen to the podcast again. Mm-hmm. Because we would invite you to be a part of God's family. Knowing that you're in God's family and knowing that you can go to him and talk. You know, me knowing that God could cure me any moment. Mm-hmm. But he loves me. I know that. And he doesn't cure me. So what I have to reconcile with is not understanding necessarily how he's doing things. But I do understand that he loves me. That's the anchor point. So I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. In fact, I'm looking how he's going to use it. Mm-hmm. That's the development part. And regardless of whether I consider something in my life, a trial or whatever you have, whether I consider it to be good or not is ultimately irrelevant because if it's something that God has ordained, God is right, and that makes him good. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, and, you know, in, in hindsight there too, um, God has used all of that to soften my heart and ultimately bring me up here to Silver Birch Ranch. Right. Where, you know, I am the director of the Wolf River Refuge, um, just four miles down from Silver Birch Ranch. And how would they find information about that? WolfRiverRefuge.org. You can also find a link to it at the bottom of SilverBirchRanch.org's page. Yep. And you can find it on Relate365.com. All these ministries are tied together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically a, a place where we want to know Christ and make him known. That's important to us. That's all we're really about. And uh, we're using the various facilities that God has given us. We're going to have to do another program sometime, um, Matt, because I want to talk about uh, our desire to really develop a refuge place for foster children. Okay. And for those uh, people in life that basically feel like they're not included or have had a really rough go of it. We'd like to be able to help them. And do believe that, that God's put us in a position where we need to do that. Um, and so we're looking right now to gain partners for that and also uh, get training and, and opportunities to help those who are, are needy because right. we're called to do that. And we, it's not a burden for us. We're looking forward to helping people. Uh, this whole COVID-19 thing has been weird because it uh, kind of limits what we can do. And yet at the same point, we're opening up and moving forward and being as cautious as we can on everything. And uh, once again, God's in charge of this whole thing. So we'll just do what we can and trust that he will work. And hopefully he's working in your hearts. And we'd love to hear from you if he is. 
You can find us at Relate365.com. And you can also, from there, get the links to the Wolf River Refuge or the Nicolay Bible Institute or Silver Birch Ranch uh, and find out more about those ministries because we would love to minister to your family. I do encourage you, if you're older or younger, get in a discussion with somebody of another generation and point them to the anchor point in the Bible. Uh, Goodbye for now.